What's going on, friends? Welcome back to Forward Progress, live here on the Forward Progress YouTube channel, part of the Hammer Betting Network and powered by Pinnacle Sportsbook. I'm your host, producer Jason. Every single Friday here uh, on the Friday Prop Show, and we'll be running this Friday Prop Show from here until basically the end of the playoffs, until the Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, make sure you guys are subscribed here. You can always catch me here alongside Jack Miller from Establish the Run direct, directly below me, John Legaza diagonal from me, and then Matthew Freeman uh, across from me. Whatever, whatever the word is. Anyways, uh, guys, before we get started here, just want to give a quick reminder. Make sure you smash that like button. It does a long way uh, for us in the algorithm here. It lets YouTube know that you like it and people similar to you might also like it here. So if you can, take a second out of your day. Smash that like button. does a lot for us. And then also, if you're new here, hit that subscribe button. Guys, like I said, we'll be running this Friday show throughout the postseason here. We also have a couple other fun things uh, planned for the postseason here that we're not going to reveal just yet. But we will reveal in just in, in in a couple weeks down the road here when the playoff season starts. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to get into this one. We've actually crushed the last two weeks. I think last week, guys, we had we only missed one prop. We we hit a parlay. Like you guys have been killing it here. So just want to give up props to you guys. Uh, no pun intended there, because uh, I think this show, especially in December, I was looking. I think we are eleven percent ROI in just December. We're four percent on the year in props. It's uh. It's so a great, st- a great, great little close out to the season. Hopefully, I don't jinx it here. Anyways, let's get into it. But before we do, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor over at Pinnacle. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book, offering competitive odds for 25 years. We love to preach line shopping on this channel. And with everyday competitive odds, Pinnacle should be one of your available sports books. If you're looking to support the show and you want to sign up to Pinnacle, make sure you use code HAMMER when you sign up. That's code HAMMER when you sign up. H A M M E R. Your trusted sports book for 25 years. Bet smart. Bet Pinnacle must be 19 plus and not available in the U.S. Let's dive into things here. I'm excited to get this show on the road. We're going to start off with John. And we're going to kick it off with the Falcons and Bears game. Got a little bit of a, I mean, with game with little playoff implications here. We're going to kind of see that with a couple of games here now that teams are starting to fall out of the race. But these these players, these teams are fighting for jobs. They're fighting for contracts. There's still a lot to fight for, for here. They're fighting for pride. Uh, and in this game, we got Heineke back at QB in the fold for the Falcons here. John, you're looking at some alt receptions. Tell us about your handicap. Yes, man. As always, not broke. I'm not fixing it. I'm going to stick with the alt reception ladders. And where I've been buttering my bread is with running backs and tight ends. I get, you know, the best numbers. So let's whack the tree down if we can. Bijan Robinson, reception ladder. We're going to go four, five, and six receptions, plus 140, plus 310, plus 650, respectively. He's fourth among all running backs in targets. And third among all running backs and team target share, that's year to date. But since the week 11 bye, we've seen a bit of an uptick, even, um, dare I say, a bit of rationale from Arthur Smith. I probably just put the horns on that. Anyway, 23% team target share, which makes him the team leader in that span, 73% route participation. That's 23 routes. He's averaging more than six targets a game. Again, since the bye, he's gone over the four receptions to the bottom rung seven times. He's made it up to six receptions to top rung Twice, so let's go get it. Chicago Bears, D. We know they're really good, like, in the trenches, right? In the middle, they kind of collapse pockets. They collapse offensive lines, and I think that's actually going to work in our favor. They're easily a top three rush, D. They have a sub one yard before contact per rush. They've also allowed 98 receptions to running backs. That's 31st, and I think that's a function, again, of the pressure that they create and the winning that they do in the middle. And again, I know we're not looking at receiving yards, but the 887 receiving yards they've allowed to running backs is 28% more than the next 
you know, team. I just had to put that one out there just because they've allowed 10 running backs to hit four receptions and three running backs have gone all the way up to six. So I think just with the odds, again, I think we're looking pretty good. And if we hit the bottom rung, Jay, it's a profitable venture and maybe we can keep this thing going. Last three weeks, we are smoking hot. Yeah, and I'm going to lock that in like you said here. The four plus at plus 140, we're going to lock that in. 4.7 of a unit, five plus receptions at plus 310. We're going to lock that in at point two. Knocked Jack right out of his chair, bro. You saw that? That's how good the analysis was. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll throw him back in here for a second. Um, yeah, uh, plus six receptions as well at plus 650. We're going to lock that in for one unit. Quickly reminder, uh, if you're looking to find where we track all of our plays, we do them live on the show in real time here on Betstamp. Just search forward progress, HQ, FWD progress. HQ, uh, and you can find all of our plays tracked live here on the show. Locked all those in here on the bet stamp account. Um, yeah, I love I love this handicap. And I was uh, I mean, I don't even want to think about the QB situation for the Atlanta Falcons. That's like a next year problem, and maybe we can talk about that at a future date. But uh, I'm just happy to be done with this team here. Let's move on uh to our next game. We got we got the Cardinals and Eagles going back to the well here, Matt. Uh, it's we've I think we've done it the last three weeks now. This is gonna be our fourth week in a row or third week in a row here. Matt, you're looking at Jalen Hurts and his over on receptions on for another week in the row. Break down this handicap for us here. Yeah, I think this is the third week in a row in the uh the vein of of John, you know, saying if it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh Jalen Hurts over 0.5 interceptions. I bet this at plus 165. I think it's now in that plus 140 to plus 150 range across the market. I think it's very much still bettable there. I this projected at plus 123.5. And um, I mean, this is again like just going back to uh, a prop that I think the market continues to misprice because of what Jalen Hurts did last mm. year. But this is a very different situation that he is in this year. 13 interceptions now in 15 games, uh, a 2.6% interception rate, which is the highest mark he's had uh, throughout his three seasons as a starter. The Cardinals have a bad defense. Like, there's no point in trying to pretend as if they don't. Uh, dead last in the league in dropback EPA and success rate. So, uh, whenever Jalen Hurts decides to pass, he should be able to have success just in terms of moving the ball down the field. But um, they have 10 interceptions on the season, which isn't terrible. Like the league average is 11.8. So like they're not terrible when it comes to at least creating turnovers through the air. And this is the big thing. Jonathan Gannon, like, I don't think he's all that great as a head coach or a defensive play caller, but they could have some theoretical edge with him because he was with the Eagles for the previous mm -hmm. two seasons. Out of all of the defensive coaches in the league, he's probably the one who knows Jalen Hurts the best. So mm -hmm. I think there's a possibility where they could be better than the dead last ranking against the pass uh, that we've seen so far this week against uh, the Eagles. So uh, it's a similar situation to what we had last week where – you can easily see how Hertz avoids an interception. You have the Eagles at home as big favorites. They're able to get out to a lead, so they don't need to pass as much in the second half of the game. And when they do need to pass, Jalen Hurst doesn't need to be as aggressive with it. So I do think it's likelier than not that we don't see Hurts throw an interception in this game. But at plus 165 odds, that's just too tempting for a guy who now has mm -hmm. uh, an interception in nine out of 15 games. So, uh, and I think there's a possibility that I'm actually projecting this a little bit conservatively. Uh, mm -hmm. Ed Fang of the Power Rank, who like specializes in interception props, he thinks that this should actually be like over 50% 
for uh, for Jalen Hurts to throw an interception in this game. So there, there's the possibility I'm actually not even going far enough with my projection. And even with that being the case, I still think there's value at plus 140, plus 150. Yeah, and I, this, this Arizona Cardinals team is very, listen, they, they don't have a lot of wins under the belt this season, obviously, but they're very frisky, especially with Kyler Murray back in the full tier against an Eagles defense that might not be the best. This could be a high scoring affair. And, and the books are saying that as well, having the total be at 48 and a half here. Like I could see this game run away a little bit here, forcing Jalen Hurts and the Eagles to throw the ball a little bit more leading to those uh, interceptions here. Lock that in at plus 150, which is widely available. Best price in market there. Um, but uh, yeah, the plus 165, not there anymore. You're, you're okay, Matt, with playing that up to of course. plus yeah, 150? Yeah. Like, yeah. I assume so, just based on your handicap there. And then also just I like to poke around a bit just to see what alt lines look like. The two plus interceptions for Jalen Hurts is plus 850. So if you have uh, not only Matt, uh, hey, like if you have Matt not, not only handicapping that at around 50%, but also Ed Fang, one of the sharper guys in the industry, handicapping that. I mean, I don't know. That that uh, looks a little interesting to me here. Uh, but we can, we can talk about that at a later date. Let's move on here. Let's look towards the New Orleans Saints uh, taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, looks like it's going to be a division divisional matchup here trying to lock up the nfc south here for both teams kind of winner take all kind of game not really but uh seems like tampa has lock up anyways um jack you're looking at the you're looking at the saints here you're looking at rashid shahid you're looking at his longest reception market which you've done pretty well in this year tell us what you like about rashid shahid and his longest reception yeah, I'm going to go with Rashid Shahid over 16 and a half uh, longest reception. I think this is the first time I've taken an over on the longest reception so far. I've had a lot of unders in this category uh, so far this year, but flipping the script here. Mm-hmm. Shahid um, with Michael Thomas out last week and Olave back had a 22 and a half percent target share. Um, I think it was encouraging to see him actually command a high target share because stylistically you, you'd wonder what his ceiling looks like there. But last week we did see him earn a lot of targets um he's gone over this in eight of 13 games so far this year and tampa bay is also more of a pass funnel they're one of the they're an above average um run defense but they rank 27th in the nfl in yards per attempt allowed to opposing teams at 7.1 um so i think it's a it's a pretty good matchup for shahid he's in line for a larger role than average with uh with thomas being out um so we have this projected with a median of, of somewhere in the 19 to 20 range. Um, so I'm taking over 16 and a half on Shahid Bongus reception. Yeah. And we've t- kind of talked about this New Orleans Saints offense on the channel for like a little bit, like throughout the year here about how kind of they lack an intermediate game. It's kind of just like deep shots and sh- and uh, like short game here. And against a pass funnel D, I, I love this look of the over longest reception here. We were able to get on the th- on our Thursday show, Shahid on his longest reception over his last game on Thursday night there, which was uh, a lot of fun to take. We're going to stick with this game. Moving on to John here. We're going to double up against this pass funnel D that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. John, you're looking at Jawan Johnson uh, for his alt reception ladders. Why don't you break down? Your handicap here for us. Yeah, I want to just sign off one more time on Jack. He's Shahid is averaging 14.9 air yards per target. So if you need mm-hmm. 16 and a half, if you add in his yak per reception, it goes over. So he literally might just need one catch. So I absolutely <laughs> love that. I just don't get my eye on all these bets, right? The menus are so mm-hmm. robust. And I real I'm like sitting here on the edge of my seat listening to these other two guys. All right, let's get into mine. I don't know if it's as good. It's Juwan Johnson, another reception ladder, but again, I am like Mr. Low Expectations. It's three four and five receptions that just feels really low the three receptions jay is at plus 
170. I right off the bat, I just like that. The fourth is 425, and the fifth one, the big dog, is plus 1,000. That's when we got our eyes on. He's hit the bottom rung four times, the middle rung twice. That actually two times has been since the week 11 by. He's third in route participation on the Saints and targets in that span. But the thing that I noticed is he's actually become the top slot option as of late. You know, we, we all know the narrative. He's been a wide receiver in the past. He kind of battled some injuries. And I wonder if now maybe he's kind of, you know, hitting that role that we thought he might have had us, you know, drafting him for best ball earlier on in the summer. Slot routes last three games, six, which is where it was really low. It almost doubled to 10. Then it hit 24 last week. He hit 24 slot routes and earned five of his seven targets in that role. Keep that slot stuff in mind. Tampa Bay D, bottom five in completions allowed. They're also dead last in passing yards per game. That's what we like to see, 264 yards. That one, year-to-date against tight ends is bad. 32nd, that's as bad as it goes, 8.3 targets a game year-to-date. They're also 29th in receptions per game. That's five and a half. We get the five and a half, boom, there's a plus 1,000 J, and I'm laughing all the way to the bank. Tight ends have hit three receptions the bottom rung 15 times this year. All right, let's go get it, man. And again, year-to-date, I mentioned the slot stuff. Tampa Bay, 32nd in defensive EPA against the slot. They're allowing – this is the average on the season. We're 16 games in. Eight receptions and 100 receiving yards per game to the slot receiver. So even though Olave has gotten some of that love and Shahid is also in and out, gotten some of that work, as of late, it's been Shahid to the outside, Johnson to the slot, whereas, again, he's been eating it up, man, three, four, five. I love it. I actually, I really think we have a good chance of getting all the way to the five on this one. Yeah, and I like what you mentioned here about the slot option is, uh, again, like Derek Hart, it seems like his game is just short or deep balls, right? And uh, since they lost Michael Thomas, that was the kind of hole that they were missing. It was Kamara and Thomas in that short game. And Juwan Johnson, like you said, has filled that role perfectly here uh, for, for them. It does um, really so, feel like that, Jay. He makes a first mm-hmm. deep read. And then if not, it's auto check down Kamara. Yeah. And then we're hoping it's jo- you know we're hoping it's Johnson. I don't know if it's going to be, but I well, think it plays into it. Well, again, we, with, with how limited their receiving core is with that, uh, Michael Thomas injury. It seems like Juwan Johnson is going to be on the field for a long time. So three three receptions is not asking a lot out of him here at the, at the very base rung here. Lock that in uh, at 0.7 here. Units 0.2 yep. for the second rung, then 0.1 for the third run here. If you want to see the payouts on that, just head over to Betstamp and you can see uh, what, what the odds are. Or John mentioned them earlier in the show. Let's move on to the next game, though. It's a marquee matchup on this loaded 1 o'clock slate. Whoever set up the schedule needs to be fired from the NFL. I'm sorry. Only three 4 o'clock games is absolutely insane. And then 10 1 o'clock games it's crazy, but they have plans uh, at night. That's the only explanation. <laughs> they have a, they have a sick, you know, invitation to a really cool party. That's the only That's, thing that I can come up with. It, it must be what it is. But anyways, I would have loved to watch more football at four o'clock on New Year's Eve. But let's uh, let's uh, move on from here. We're gonna look take a look at the Dolphins and Ravens game. Essentially, a battle for the one seed here uh, in the AFC. Gonna be a lot of fun to watch uh, in this one o'clock slate. Matt, you got a play here. You're looking towards Tua and his passing yards. So tell us a little bit about your handicap here. Yeah, by the way, I just want to uh, quickly shout out. Uh, I like both of those previous uh, props, especially the um, the Rashid Shahid one. Um, mm. That one that one stands out. I like that one a lot. Uh, in uh, in the slot where Shahid sometimes lines up, easy matchup against uh, Christian Izian or Izian, whatever his name is, but undrafted rookie cornerback. So great matchup there. And then uh, perimeter cornerback Carlton Davis uh, is dealing with a concussion. Mm-hmm. He hasn't practiced yet. I think he's going to be out. So uh, all the easier matchup there for uh, for Shahid. So yeah, I'm looking at Tua. Uh, and I'm going over 235 and a half passing yards. And um, I just, I got to say, this is too low. This number is just like shooting from the hip. It is too low. 
And uh, I know there were different circumstances last year, but Tua had 469 yards passing against the Ravens last week uh, in week two. And as great as the Ravens were, uh, sorry, last year, last year in week two, but uh, as great as the Ravens were last week against the 49ers, um, and forcing the five interceptions, they still allowed 336 mm-hmm. yards passing to Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold. Like the Ravens, their uh, their defense looks good. Like just based on the numbers, 221.9 passing yards allowed per game uh, to opposing quarterbacks. But you look at who have they faced, and it has largely been like a slew of rookies, backups, and bottom feeders for the like vast duration of the season. But if you look at what they've done or what they've allowed since week 13, since the bye week, 294 yards to Matthew Stafford, 264 yards to Trevor Lawrence, and then last week, a combined 336 to Purdy and Darnold. Like the Ravens are not defensively immaculate. Like they can be had. And this week in their secondary, they have injury issues with Kyle Hamilton at safety mm-hmm. and Brandon Stevens at cornerback. I think like both of those guys will probably play, but they are both very much less than 100%. And then you look at Tua, number one in the league in passing yards, 4,214, number two with 8.4 yards per attempt. He's gone over this number of 235.5 in every game except for three of them. And this is the second lowest yardage prop he's had this year. Just three weeks ago, he had a season high uh, prop here of 284.5. So in three weeks, his prop has dropped 50 yards and it is almost entirely because of matchup. And again, like the matchup is tough, but it is not that tough. So Tua over 235 and a half. I have this projected at 255 and a half, and I'd be willing to take it higher to like 245 and a half if necessary. So that's that seems like that's where the market is moving towards right now. A lot of books are hanging at 245 and a half, uh, at minus 110, <laughs> really? minus 115 okay. towards over. Yeah, but there are some books out there hanging the 240 and a half at minus 114, which is a much better price than the 245 and a half. You want to get every yard that you can get here. So we're going to lock that in at 240 and a half towards the over at minus 114 oh, yeah. here. It's moved. Yeah, that. the line has yeah. moved. Well, glad I bet it last night. <laughs> it's the Friedman effect. It's the Friedman <laughs> yeah. effect. But uh, quickly, I just want to, I don't want to, I want to push back on this just a little bit because yeah. there was um, a great commenter. I, I forget who brought it up here on the Wednesday show, but they were mentioning how uh, if you're worried at all about the passing game for the the, the Dolphins, because um, watching the Ravens last week, they were able to kind of do some good work against the, the San Francisco 49ers the game got a little bit out of hand there towards the end, but uh, nevertheless, some good work. They don't have the same uh, the same kind of depth of skill skilled position players with yeah. Waddle being out here. And on top of that, the Dolphins run a similar offense to the 49ers here. It seems like the Baltimore Ravens have like a good look against that style of offense here. Does that make you worried at all with uh, one, maybe the Ravens having figured out this style of offense and this type of quarterback play. Uh, and on top of that, the uh, the lack of skill position here with Jalen Waddle being, being out. Yeah. So all like it's fair and it's mm-hmm. why uh, this number was so low when the market opened um, there, there could be concerns. And like, I see, like I see the case for it, but I would say, even though the 49ers have like obviously more skill position depth across the mm-hmm. board, Tua is a better quarterback than Brock mm-hmm. Purdy is. And Tyreek is a different type of weapon than anyone that the 49ers have. And Ayuk still had like pass catching success last week. Yeah. Kittle had success, but 
I do not think that the Ravens actually have like one person who can stick with Tyreek. Like if they're going to neutralize Tyreek, they will have to do it with multiple players and like the way that they mm -hmm. bracket coverage around him. Uh, but then I think that would open up opportunities for other players. And I would say that I think the, the scheme similarity can also cut both ways to where uh, if McDaniel is able to see what the Ravens did last week uh, against the 49ers, then point. he can probably have some wrinkles to counter it a little bit. So and, uh, I do think it cuts both ways. And then like one more, uh, one more thing on this is that, um, well, I don't know. I just, I think the Ravens have kind of like been living on a lot of luck in terms of the matchups yeah. that they've had. And it's not to say like they're not good, right? But like even last week, the 49ers were moving the ball against them when they weren't turning the ball over. Now, I know yeah. like that's like a very important thing in terms of like winning the game. Turnovers are important. Like you can't turn the ball over. But I think for this specific matchup, when we're looking at just the accumulation of yards, mm -hmm. uh, we will be able to see the, the Dolphins move the ball against the Ravens in much the same way that the 49ers were able to move the ball last week. I honestly love your handicap on this, and you've actually swung me in the other direction here. I was I came in on the other side, and you've actually kind of slowly convinced me the other way around, right? Like just with your what you're talking about here with the interceptions, they were able to move the ball down the field. The Niners were, and like that's why we look at stuff like success rate, right? Like that's why we have stats like that, and we we contextualize the game with that because again, we want to see like the goal is to get first downs, right? And eventually those will lead to scores, and that's doing good things will will eventually lead to scores. But interceptions are sometimes noise, and you can't really. Uh, control those things here. Nathan, I see your comment in the chat. We'll get around towards that towards the end of the show here. Let's move on, though, to our next prop. Uh, Jack, you're sti we're sticking with the Dolphins game here, and you're looking at some unders based off of the recent injury news of Jalen Waddle being ruled out here. I assume that's what you're, uh, you're fading here. So you're looking at Cedric Wilson's unders. Tell us a little bit about, uh, your, about your handicap here. Yeah, I'll, I'll preface by saying that we also have Tua uh, over his line in our projections. I think mm -hmm. we actually even have him further uh, further up than Friedman does. But we still show an under on Cedric Wilson, under 41.5 receiving yards. Um, we're projecting Wilson for a, a target share in the low to mid-teens, which I think is reasonable given that he's not as much of a target earner um, as someone – like Waddle, obviously, and then Tyreek, we expect to take just a massive role with Waddle yeah. out. Um, I also think that it's notable that even if the Ravens have been a little bit lucky in terms of their defense so far, and maybe we can't expect them to sustain this performance, they are first in the league in uh, yards per attempt against. We're projecting Cedric Wilson at his seasonal efficiency, um, which is slightly below his career efficiency, interestingly. So we were kind of in the middle of his his total. Yeah. Room for us to go down to just how dominant the Ravens defense has been from a yards per attempt allowed um, standpoint. But the thing that has also been sticking in my head with this is there was a game about a month ago when both Tyreek and Jalen Waddle got banged up. And when Tyreek got hurt, it was Cedric Wilson coming in. And when Jalen Waddle got hurt, it was River Craycraft who came in. So mm -hmm. I, I think Wilson is going to be the wide receiver too here. But if there's some chance that River Craycraft plays more than he did a couple weeks ago when Tyreek is out, uh, I think this makes it even better. We're projecting Wilson as the wide receiver too. So it's kind of just a free roll on, on any chance that Craycraft has a bigger role than we're expecting. 
Um, and so with all of that in mind, I'm go. We we project Wilson around 38 yards, so I'm going uh, under 41 and a half here. I have to cut you off here. The line has moved since we hopped on the show here. It's at 35 and a half now. Rather rather low. Is this is this something you're gonna stay off here now with the projection of the 38 and a half there, or is that are you still confident in taking this at the 35 and a half here at minus one uh 115 119 117 sorry. Yeah, I'm guess I didn't know that the line had moved um in the past couple me. hours, but Oh no, all good. I I would probably honestly just lean past there with a, a mean projection of thirty eight and a half. I'm guessing the median there would be thirty four. Um, so mm-hmm. then I I think at minus one nineteen that might not be enough to to offset the juice. If I had to pick a side, it would be under. Um, but it's it's probably too too close to bet. All right, fair enough here. And uh, yeah, so we'll just stay off that one here. And Nathan, you're asking in the chat is Tua really better than Purdy? You can debate that, but he's probably better than Sam Darnold at the very least here, going back to that Tua conversation. And Sam Darnold had a, a good chunk of passing yards against that. Uh, hurts me to say being a USC fan, but uh, yeah, good chunk of yards uh, last week there against the uh, Ravens. D. We talked hey, enough can, about this. Can, I, can oh, we jump in, actually? I would, I would like to get John and Jack's thoughts on whether, I mean, this is you know like kind of going off the rails a little bit. But like whether Purdy actually is better than Tua or whether Tua is better, like I'll say like my my base case coming from this is that Tua was uh, like the more highly recruited player entering college. He was the better player in college. He was a higher drafted player. And I kind of discount a little bit what we saw out of him early in his career, because that first year he was recovering from the like catastrophic hip injury. Uh, the second season he was, uh, like dealing with like a turnover at offensive coordinator. So like, I think you can sort of contextualize what happened early in his career and say like, there were a lot of circumstances that weren't optimal, but then whenever he got, uh, Mike McDaniel as his head coach, like right away, he was playing at a really high level last year. He was number two in EPA and completion percentage over expectation. He's number two this year. I think like it's just a higher bar with like what we've seen from him and like the priors to this point than with Purdy. But that's not like a knock against Purdy. Purdy has also been awesome to open his career. Mm. But I just think like there's a little more certainty that Tua, uh, like what we've seen out of Tua over the past two years is what Tua actually is. Yeah. John, I don't know if you want to jump in here on that. It's really tough to compare him because there's so many other things that go into it. I know they're both in a good system. There's both really smart people calling the shots. I don't know. It's tough. I was kind of looking at a tail of the tape while Matt was doing his thing, and I think he did a great job. It's really, really close from an EPA standpoint, efficiency standpoints. Purdy probably has the edge, right? Better yards per attempt, better errors per attempt, better TD, a 10 percentage, EPA man zone, too high. is a little better against a blitz, I guess. I like the two he gets to the sticks more often. Sometimes I think maybe for all we talk about the system in San Francisco, I don't think we talk about how much of the load Tariq carries, right? Tariq Hill mm. carries that he's in the MVP conversation. And you look over and, oh, there's McCaffrey in the MVP conversation. I actually think they're both pretty close. I think Freeman does a pretty good job of kind of going where you should go, the things you should mm. lean on when you're trying to – do the coin toss thing. That's probably on the pedigree and the other thousands of people that have tried to evaluate this before us. So I probably would give two of the nod going forward, but again, it's really close. I don't think you could do poorly with either one of them, you know? 
Yeah, fair enough. I don't think it's definitive. I hate to be like a mm-hmm. like milk toast yep. kind of fence sitter, but it's it's hard. It's hard to hash these things out. I don't think it's definitive. It really is, and it's always important to contextualize. Obviously, we're it's a little easier to contextualize here because these guys are both under, I guess, the same coaching tree and run similar systems, I guess, right? But it's always important to contextualize. Like quarterbacks play within systems, so you got to evaluate them within that system. You can't really pluck them out and evaluate them as is yeah. here, Jack. Do you have any like thoughts to take errors, away? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, do you do you have any thoughts here to take away from this uh, Purdy verse uh, Tua conversation? Yeah, I'm I'm with Friedman here. I think Tua is better. It's it is I think really hard to separate the player from the system, and and they're both players where the system um, and the players around them are are benefiting them Elevated. as yeah. probably more than any two other quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, but I think Friedman's point about just Tua's pedigree and the, we, we just have such a long history of him being a standout player. Um, I think if Tua was in San Francisco, he'd be putting up at least the same um, level of, of play as Purdy. Yeah, fair enough. Here. And we've also like, maybe this isn't the best argument here, but we've seen quarterbacks come into both systems to cover up for uh, injuries here for both Tua. We saw Tua last year, obviously. Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater come in. Neither of them looked the same as Tua looked in this system. And then on top of that, of course, this year we saw Sam Darnold for a bit. Last year and previous years, we saw Jimmy Garoppolo in the system both excel. And we saw what Jimmy looks like outside of that system here. So I'm I'm in agreement with both you, Matt and Jack. I'm I would lean towards Tua as I'm wearing a Dolphins jersey, which is hilarious here. Not even a fan, just had just had the jersey picked out for uh, today's uh, today's show here. Um, but yeah, you guys tell us in the comments what you think, uh, Nathan. It seems like you were you were. I, I can't tell from your question if you were leaning towards Tua or Purdy. I'm just curious to hear your guys' thoughts. Feel free to drop those thoughts in the comment section down below. Let's close this show out here, though. We got two more props on the board. Uh, we're gonna head over to the Panthers game facing off against the Jacksonville. Jaguars here. I don't know. Personally, I'm not going to be watching this game. Too many other games on TV, but we got a bet for you in it if you want to watch it. Uh, we got John, you're looking at, uh, at Bryce Young here, who's kind of been heating up, I guess, under the radar because the Panthers have just been down and out throughout the season. They don't have their first, they don't have their pick. Like, no one wants to pay attention to this team, not even their fans. But Bryce Young has been heating up a little bit over the past couple of weeks. You've identified this Jags team, John, as like kind of a pass funnel in previous weeks, and we've done very well attacking yeah. that in the prop market here. It seems like the prop market's kind of slow to move on that. Um, so why don't you tell us what you like here for Bryce Young? All right, I definitely feel better about attacking the Jaguars than I do supporting Bryce Young. This feels like that horse drawing where it's really good in the beginning. B. John Robinson, it gets a little bit worse. Juwan Johnson, now at the very end, I'm just like drawing whiskers. I'm like, I'm betting on Bryce Young, whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> but here we go. All right, he was actually very good last week. I know people don't want to hear it. One game doesn't get much more of a sample, but he was really good, but for 312 and 2, 8.7 yards per attempt, which again, you know, checks a lot of boxes. The thing that I did identify that I actually kind of believe in a little bit is right, we know growth is not linear. People are killing him for the size. I think they might be finally finding the workaround. Check this out. So this is over the last month. He has a nearly 11 air yards per attempt. That's actually really high. And especially in relation, again, to that kind of progression, it was never above 8.4 at any point from weeks 1 through 12. So, again, right, this is air yards per attempt. This is, you know, how deep they're actually challenging the field. And we're seeing, you know, a market change. So that's something. The 64% pass rate that we saw in the last game was a six-week high. And again, back to that time frame from week 12, we've actually seen a spike in play action. And I think they finally found the way to get Bryce Young. I don't, it's not necessarily the time. It, it does work with the height thing. It's kind of the look that he needs, right? With play action, you could draw some of the taller players on defense 
away from you, have him kind of roll out because he's not really not much of a runner. But with a little bit of space, he's looked okay. So keep an eye on that play-action rate. That's up over mm. 25%. Again, it, it was not even close to that earlier on in the year. He's gone over 200 pass. 200 passing yards is so low for a starter. So, Jay, I guess I, I kind of skipped that. It's 200 passing yards at mm-hmm. plus 200. 250 mm-hmm. passing yards at plus 750. Gosh, what are we talking about here? So he's gone over 205 of 12. Remember, plus 200 is implied probability. Thank you, Friedman, for talking about this. There are a lot of programs. We'll never mention that. That's only 30, 33%. So he's gone over five of the last 12. We need, you know, to 33% implied. It's actually not bad. The odds are actually in our favor. Then you look at the Jacksonville DJ. You alluded to it, the pass funnel. It's for real. They play a ton of 3-4, which is kind of unusual nowadays. Combined with a lot of blitzing, which I guess goes with the 3-4, but then they work into a lot of drop cover three zones, which, again, I just don't think it works with the personnel they have. It's manifested. They're bottom five defense as far as completions per game. They're also bottom five in passing yards per game. 257. They're averaging seven yards more than the plus 750 that we're playing for. So all the stars kind of seem to be aligned for a public and a market that's not really ready to back Bryce Young or the Panthers probably with good reason. Jacksonville D, again, 11 quarterbacks have gone over 200. Ten of those have gone over 250. So it's a bit of a hold your nose and we're kind of, you know, a bit of a Hail Mary here. But if it was going to happen, he's a number one overall pick. You know, we really – I think – I'm not a big Bryce Young guy, but I do think – as a whole, we probably discard these players a little too soon, right? Ten yeah. games, that's it. He's done. It's over. We hate him. He's garbage. It never to happen again. And we need to be a little reticent of that. Now, granted, he might take an offseason two or three with game speed practices and stuff to figure it out, or sometimes it just takes a little bit of tweak. The play action with Hubbard, who's been effective, is drawing enough attention on the defense mm-hmm. to get him to look to throw the ball to, I don't know, indescript player here, Tommy Tremble or whatever. But maybe we'll get to, I don't know, maybe we'll get to 250. <laughs> Listen, John, I actually don't hate this as well. And I agree with what you said here, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here, right? Because there's been like, t- to no, give... To, to, to give Bryce Young a little bit of credit here, he's gone through a little bit of a tough change in OCs. He's he's kind of hasn't had the best scheme to play Multiple underneath. Multiple play your, callers the team. all the time. Exactly. Lost. I mean, they're lost, but that's they're not lost. really helping our argument right now. But it is it is it does speak to the growth. I would say that. Yeah, but but I think it does though because you mentioned the last four weeks, it seems like he's actually starting to come into his own and kind of figure out, and the team has kind of figured out how to play around him here, like you mentioned. I think that's what's I'm gonna, important. Exactly. And and again, in a good matchup and situationally, I know people don't like to look at handicapping this way, but I think this is like an important thing to look at here against the Jags who are kind of like, yeah, they're probably going to be fighting for a playoff spot. But if 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 Trevor Lawrence is playing, he doesn't look 100 percent. There's something that looks way off with him here. And if he's not, this could be a team that's just absolutely down and out with the Carolina Panthers who are like they don't have a they, they are fighting for jobs right now. And, and I think sometimes you maybe have maybe able to find a little bit of a, a I don't want to call it an edge, but something here uh, to to contextualize yeah. listen like, Parcells used to always say don't tell me what a player can't do tell me what he can mm. do maybe they spent the first 12 weeks worrying about the stuff that he can't do and now they found the stuff that he can do if you just get him a breath he's gonna get the first read and then you get a jump ball situation but at least it was it's not the 150 passing yard that we saw for whatever it was six weeks in a row it was so bad yeah. it was time that they made a schematic change so we're just hoping this is it plus 750 for 250 yards it's it seems low it seems low here so anyways uh i, I like that play uh i'm gonna let's move on here for the last play of the game uh matt you're looking at the rams giants games i don't really know how to preface this it's a kicker prop you've been you've been you've been doing well in kicker props recently so like <laughs> you t- tell us about this lucas haversick haversick yeah. lucas haversick kicker prop it, it doesn't matter how to pronounce his name he's a kicker 
you know, okay, like Haversick, Haverchick. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name for sure. Uh, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. Um, I bet I'm, I'm a sicko. I'll just say like, I, I am a, a sicko who will scour props, trying to find markets that are, uh, just a little bit too soft. And, uh, I think the kicking props are, uh, are vulnerable. And that mm-hmm. makes sense because, uh, you know, the, the people who are setting lines at sports books, like they don't have time to think about a lot of player props, much less kicker props, you know? Yeah. So I think these are eminently attackable and, uh, Haversick, this is, I think a really good spot for him. So, and I'll just say, um, like kind of preface this by, uh, I have been betting kicker props off and on for years, but I've never really done it systematically. Uh, it's always just been kind of looking at something and be like, Oh, this team attempts a lot of field goal attempts. I'll bet it. Uh, but I did spend again, because I am a sicko. I did spend a significant chunk of my Christmas leisure time last weekend, uh, like building a kicking model. Uh, (laughs) so I'm, I'm test driving it now. That's, that's what's happening. So, uh, have sick over one and a half field goal attempts. I bet this at minus 120 at DraftKings. Uh, let me see uh, if it, it, avail- I think, available at that number still. Like yeah, still available at that number. At that number. Uh, I think it's very bettable. I would honestly take it up to like minus 150 or so. Mm-hmm. I have this projected at 2.2 field goals. Um, I bet uh, the over on Haversick last week on Thursday Night Football. He had three field goals. He could have had five. Uh, he missed a 47 uh, yard attempt and then McVeigh uh, uncharacteristically went for it on fourth and goal from the two yard line when typically McVeigh is more than happy to settle for a field goal. And like that is a big part of the component of this bet here for the year. The Rams are easily number one in the league with 2.9 field goal attempts per game to to put some context around this. The Seahawks are number two with just two and a half. And the league average is two field goal attempts. So like McVeigh is adding almost a whole other field goal attempt per game on top mm. of what his team is doing relative to the league average. And then the Giants are slightly above average with uh, 2.1 field goal attempts allowed per game. Now, Haversick is like not that good at converting like 75% conversion rate. That's let's like subpar in today's NFL, but you know, given how frequently McVeigh is opting for the field goal attempts, even with the 75% conversion rate, as long as Haversick gets two attempts, he has a pretty good chance of going over this one and a half number. And he's had at least two attempts in seven of eight games. So I think this is a spot where um, I don't think we're going to see whether that is all that windy uh, in New York, that would be the main thing that would concern me would be like the weather, the wind. Um, but I think we're going to see a spot here where the Rams as road favorites, uh, McVay is just kind of more than happy whenever his team is close or with a lead to let the kicker go out there. And like one more thing with McVay, like he is notoriously conservative as a decision maker when it comes Mm -hmm. to like being aggressive on fourth down or something like that. But he is unquestionably one of the best schemers in the league, which means that like he gives his team lots of opportunities like to attempt field goals because they are close enough to attempt field goals. So it's like this perfect combination where we know that the Rams with their offense are going to be in field goal range a lot of the time when they have the ball. But because McVay is totally fine settling for points, we also know he's going to be fine letting the kicker go out there and try. So uh, over one and a half, especially at minus 120, just feels like a total smash. 
Yeah, lock that in here at minus 120. Widely available number. Um, and I, I kind of like to look at these markets. If, if it's a two-way market, you can kind of see how the books are feeling about it. When you see like both sides incredibly juiced, they don't know how to price these. That's why they're juicing them both sides so much like it's minus 120 towards over minus 110 towards the under under here like they they are they they don't want to spend enough time to like figure out these ticker props that's what matt here is for he's here to attack those so uh yeah i love this look like you mentioned sean mcveigh just he, he every every good coach seems to have his an achilles heel his is not going for it on fourth down here but he does other things fantastic so yeah i love this look lock that in reminder you can find all of our plays that we locked in here all seven plays on the forward progress hq bet stamp account that's spelled forward progress, FWD, progress, HQ. Just head over to BetStamp, search that. You'll be able to find our account. All of our plays tracked live here on the show. Before we head out here, there is one comment from Nathan. I don't know if you guys are going to, I don't know how much you guys look at safeties and safeties to be scored. Um, but Nathan, Matt, maybe we'll start with you if you have something here. I know yeah. Jack doesn't, but uh, he's asking in the Niners Commanders game, uh, safety to be scored. The yes is at plus 850 here. Quickly for me, uh, I'd be a little worried about it because it happened last game. Usually, Books, I, I find this with TD scores at the very least. Books will tend to add a little bit of juice when something happens last game because it's kind of fresh in people's minds. People want to bet that. I don't have like a, I don't have any edge here or any pricing or any context to know what pricing should be for safeties uh, in a game here. But Matt, maybe if you have some knowledge on that, you care to share? Yeah. So I think about, um, I don't look at safeties that often, but I have sort of like the residual knowledge of like the Super Bowl, like and where these lines are priced, because that's mm -hmm. like when I start thinking about a lot of these kind of uh, a little more random like game props, like safeties, yes. um, you know, like uh, does the game go to overtime, stuff like that. And so there have been 16 safeties this year. And I tend to think about this just in terms of like how frequently does something happen? Uh, there have been 16 safeties this year and what like maybe like 250 something games so far so like we wouldn't expect this to be like a 10 percent hit rate but you know maybe a little bit higher than five and so you could go to any different kind of odds calculator that is out there we have one at fantasy life and you could just type in all right like what what odds would you expect if it's if you're projecting this at five percent what odds would you expect if you're projecting this at ten percent ten percent would be incredibly aggressive on the absolute highest end and even then that puts this at plus 900 mm -hmm. so i don't think there's really any value in this and then plus i think there was the question of like uh would you bet this at plus 850 if howell is in uh yeah. I, I don't think howell is in it's it's brissette and like brissette yeah. is not nearly uh the sack master that howell is so i think this is uh even lower than that so i would say this should probably be close uh, price closer to like five percent, six percent, and like at five percent, that's like nineteen hundred plus nineteen hundred. So I would I would avoid this in general. And just like also one more thing, like whenever uh, people bet this at the Super Bowl, like I normally bet no on the safety for the Super yeah. Bowl every year. Um, it's just because like historically people are overpricing um the idea of the safety because they want to bet on the thing that has long odds and no one wants to bet on the thing that has like the negative juice at long uh like the, the shortest odds imaginable but but there tends to be a little bit of value there i love it i love Jay, it yeah, please see yeah absolutely crazy. listen just just save your money especially with all <laughs> especially with all props i was like scanning just while freeman's going other things that are plus 900 dj chark at five receptions is plus 900 like right. wouldn't you rather yeah. play a wide receiver with a full-time role that just had eight targets even if it is a bad team 
at the same odds as a like a safety. That's so it's so unrealistic. That's just not how to do it. That's just it's not how you do it. Really, find a player that at least gets snaps and has a prayer at a low bar to get something like that. I'm telling you, that's a much that's a much wiser play than than looking for a safety. I would never do that. Not the yeah, Super Bowl stuff. Like I get it. That's kind of a different animal. Regular season safety props. What are we doing, man? Yeah, it's a little tough here, Nathan. I get I get where you're coming from here. You want to look at every angle, but it seems like it's a little too steep from the crowd here. So, uh, yeah, so I think we're suggesting to lay off it here. Speaking of Super Bowl prop shows, I'm going to plug this. Uh, we do this. We did this last year. We're going to do it again this year. We have a Super Bowl prop extravaganza show. They'll be ready for you guys. Uh, I believe the Wednesday before the Super Bowl last year, Matt Freeman famously gave out. I think it was 150 to one on the MVP winner. It was Harrison Butker to win the MVP, I believe. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So if you're looking for long odds, you got to wait a little bit for this Super Bowl. We'll get Doesn't some good ones hit, there. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in for today. It was a blast. Uh, I mean, it's it's been a blast all year, guys. Thank you so much for supporting us. On the way out, if you can do us a huge favor and just take a second out of your day and press that like button. It really does go a long way here. Let's try and clear 50 likes, right? We get around 500 500 to 600, 700 views throughout the week here before, uh, before Sunday. Um, I mean, 10% of you liking it. I would set that at under plus 900 here. I'd set that closer to plus 800, plus 700 here. Guys, 10% of you just like that. So uh, yeah, we, we appreciate it here. Uh, and guys, thank you for a wonderful year. Thank you to Matt. Thank you to John. Thank you to Jack. I know we'll be back in the new year, but it's been a lot of fun doing the show with you guys. So just for me to you guys, I want to say thank you. And of course, thank you to the audience for sticking with us throughout the year. We've seen a ton of growth. Hopefully we can hit 4,000 subscribers uh, before the new year here. We're, 12, I think, 15 subscribers away. So uh, yeah, if you haven't subscribed yet, hit that subscribe button. And if you have some friends who like football. Tell them about the show and tell them to subscribe as well. It, we really do appreciate it. Last thing before we head out here, guys. It's a super long show. I'm really sorry, guys. I uh, just want to quickly promo that we have our live watch along uh, tomorrow night on Saturday, live at 8 p.m. We'll, we'll be watching the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions game. You'll be able to see Joey Kanish and Rob Pozzola go head-to-head -head here for this game. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun on these watch-alongs throughout the year, and I will also be producing the show. So, uh, yeah, if you want to catch get your little daily dose of me i'll be back on saturday night here guys thank you so much for tuning in we really appreciate it uh so for myself for matt for jack for john this has been forward progress live here on the forward progress hq channel part of the hammer bang network and presented by pinnacle sportsbook guys good luck on your bets for new year's eve guys have a safe uh ride home if you're planning to drink on new year's eve uber do those sorts of things don't please don't drink and drive um yeah uh have fun watching football on new year's eve guys have a good one. <laughs>